0: Welcome to the Big Black Clock Podcast, the
1: wrist-tickling world of virology, brought to you by the dynamic duo of two Montreal watch enthusiasts. Enjoy dad jokes and bed puns as we deep dive into new releases, trends, reviews, and everything watch-related. Now sit back and rest assured you'll have a good time. And we are
0: back. Welcome, everyone. We have a fun episode for you. We're going to go watch spotting. I don't know what it was. There was a lot of um, sporting events, a lot of articles In the news, I guess, movie releases, things like that. There's a lot of like watch spotting. It's always fun, like, see after the Oscars or the Super Bowl, they're like, oh, this person was caught wearing that. This caught. And I'll be fair, I don't watch the Oscars. I don't really give a shit about any of that, but it's cool to see what people were paired with. Sometimes it's ridiculous. Sometimes it's like, that's a good watch for their style. I know they have probably like, uh, what's it called? Um, Stylists that will dress them up and, and pair them and stuff. Yeah, I guess they don't always choose, but I've heard that some of them have their—they come from their own collection, which is much props. So Ryan Gosling wore a vintage Rolex at the um, Golden Globes or at Oscars, but that was like, say, cool bubble back Rolex. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Dimitri.
1: <laughs> How are you? <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm excellent. <laughs> Thanks I kind of got asking. in there to the introduction. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm excited.
1: Can you tell? Yeah, no, I, I did. I could, I could, yeah, I, uh, I could see. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Just to add to what you're saying, it's. I think it's. It's always fun to notice somebody wearing something unique and realize that that person is a watch enthusiast. Yeah, one of us, one of us. You know, like as you said, like Oscars maybe is not a good could not be necessarily a good metric because a lot of people are sponsored by watches, so they wear whatever the brand there is giving them. But sometimes you see people bring in their own pieces and a lot of times they're like vintage and cool and unique and it's, it's nice to see. And then
0: you have John Mayer who presents his collection and breaks the internet <laughs> for watch <laughs>
1: the enthusiasts. to like, ah. Yeah, that's, that's
0: and, true. And, you know, much much that's props true. to that um, segment on Hodinki where they, they meet celebrities and they talk about their collection. It's excellent, you know. Some of them are really great and they talk about what they yeah. collected along the way and it's a lot of fun and why. But before we get into that, you want to do a wrist check, Dimitri?
1: I put on my uh, Casio, so it's a Casio GA2100, the, that they call Casio, that I don't really wear anymore, uh, unfortunately. Just, uh, I find that I don't really wear it, uh, it doesn't really you know, get any wrist time, and mm-hmm. I think it's in a decent shape and it's a great watch, so perhaps it's time to pass it on to somebody else who's going to wear it instead of me, Yeah, instead of it sitting in my watch box and collecting dust. It's a great watch. It's a it's a great watch, watch visually. It's not easy, easily to it's not easy to read. Yeah, because it's it's very everything is blacked out. I mean, my, my version everything is blacked out. Uh, markings are also black, so it's hard to actually tell time. And if you unlike the regular uh, G Shock, where you have a huge digital screen, uh, the digital screen on this one is taken maybe about. 20% of the dial so it's almost impossible and most of the time when I look at it the the hour or minute hand is taking is is kind of directly over the the screen so you don't even see the time it takes like an extra effort I find to tell time on this watch but also I love the, the regular uh, g-shock yeah that's what's uh, getting all of the wrist time for me uh, among my casios so it's a beautiful watch but uh I think it's going to be uh, time to part with it very soon. And you?
0: I am wearing something special. I'm wearing a Stova Verus. This is a limited edition fly day. So there are only 22 examples of this watch. It is the 40 millimeter, 102 millimeters in height, 20 millimeter lug width, 486 millimeter lug to lug. So it wears really well. Exposed sapphire crystal case back. Exposed Solita SW200. There's an automatic movement. It has the logo, Stova, but you can't even see it. It's so faint. They put it a black-on-black.
1: Black. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. I saw it. But it's like a super honest recreation of a fleeger. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't have anything else but the super eligible way to read time. Yeah,
0: As and a- uh it's not too sterile. It has the nice white markings. It's a modern fleeger, but a modern Flieger, not a pilot's watch. You know, like no, no, fleeger is a pilot's watch, but you know what I mean. It has this. It's trying to replicate those time only A type dials or B or dials. Um yeah. but in a very modern way. And it's a very beautiful pilot's watch. I put it on a black Hadley Roma canvas with leather uh flap um at the lugs. And it's an open case back, right? Uh, exposed case I'm back, yeah. Selita. Yeah. Nice. Um, automatic movement. I mean it's it's What's the dimensions? Forty millimeters, ten point two thick, so very thin. 20 nice. millimeter lug width and 48.6 millimeter lug to lug. So it's it's a really sweet spot in terms of how it wears. And as a pilot's watch, like I really love it because it has like it's really the in-between of a vintage or a Flieger that's like like one of those old Fliegers and something totally modern as well, which I I really like. So it sits really, really well. And it dresses up. I find dresses down quite well. I'm like, really happy with it. The size, is, size is perfect. It's just... Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember when I had my uh, uh, Laco, uh, it was a 42. Yeah. And I think that was a little bit too big for for it to be uh, dressed up, let's say. right. 40 Very great, sterile. And the uh, watch as well, right? Brushed case. Yeah. Sterile dial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah. And, and the fact that... Like the Selita movement, because it's a 40 millimeter case, the Selita movement takes a lot of space in the back. So like, the, like you know how I always say that I don't like the one that's the bezel in the back is yeah. thick. When you have a big watch with an exhibition case back, but a movement is very small compared to the size yeah. of the case. So you have a lot of like empty space basically but I think, around before the... Would... To correct, just a slight correction,
0: I think that watch had a Unitas movement. It didn't have the swan neck, yeah. but it had the same movement that was in my... Mashtova Marine. That's, uh, yeah. Chrono- yeah, so yeah. it's like that big unit that has like that, the, the kind of like that pocket watch type movement with a huge uh, balance wheel. So, anyway, yeah, no, that's sure. what I'm wearing. What I love about this watch as well is the loom as well is a blue uh, Super Luminova BGW9. So, very nice uh, watch. I really, I really enjoy this. And the even have this other beautiful limited edition Flieger Black Forest, but a little
1: bit uh, the dial, the number writing is not my.
0: Cup of tea. Beautiful watch, though.
1: How do you feel in general about a watch that basically is like super utilitarian that doesn't have anything really going on other than legibility?
0: I think for someone who loves it, will will you know absolutely go right. bonkers for it, and it's really well done from one of the original brands, Stovar lacco of the original five say flieger manufacturers of the war. Um, it can really be your cup of tea. I think I'll be very honest. I agree with you. It can. It is so sterile. It's really nice. However, it can, I think, lose its its luster, its its uh, f- uh, flexibility, in terms of of being able to be worn uh, all the time. I find that you know I can wear it down. You know, I'm thinking of the fall. The you know the. You know, you you're wearing a a, 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 a sterile fleeger pilot's watch. I think it's just tough in the summer if you're wearing bright clothes, you're like, Let me put on this <laughs> sterile Flieger yeah, weight, don't know for weight sure. weight s swim shorts. this it, I don't know. It's just sure. it's not what I it's for not sure. that I wouldn't. It's not that you can't. I'll just be honest that if I wanna have my choices of watches, it's not what I gravitate towards to to dress up. That's all. So that's what we're wearing on the wrist. Yeah, for sure. Any releases you want to talk about? Why don't you walk us through a a release this week? What did
1: you have? So uh, my first one, actually I'm going to have two, and I think you also have two. My first one is the the brand that I've heard about before, but I never really looked into them. They're from Cuba, well, originally from Cuba. Now they're in Switzerland. Uh, The brand is called Cuervo y Sobrinos. They have a really interesting history. Initially started in 1882 in Havana by Ramon Fernandez Cuervo, and uh, his nephews. And I think well, that's why the name Cuervo y Sobrinos, which I think Sobrinos means nephews. Sobrinos, yeah, exactly. In uh, yeah. Spanish, right? They were famous for blending Swiss craftsmanship with the Cuban flair. Over the years that they've existed, they've attracted a lot of famous clients. Some of them include Albert Einstein, Winston Churchill, and also Ernest Hemingway. Unfortunately, this brand, closer to the mid uh, of the 20th century, uh, you know, it was in Cuba and after the Cuban Revolution, it was nationalized and uh, kind of pretty soon ceased to exist. Eventually, it was revived in the early 2000s by Marcio Villa, an Italian businessman and watch enthusiast. And ever since then, they started to uh, rebuild historical timepieces or maybe influenced by the historical pieces that they were making in the first part of the 20th century. So now this brand has released part of their model line called Historiador. They've released a model, uh, three different versions dedicated specifically to Ernest Hemingway. The uh, watches are called Historiador Hemingway Iconico, and they pay tribute to Ernest Hemingway, who uh, not only was a longtime customer of Cuervo y Sobrinos, but also lived in Cuba for something like 20 years, I think between, the, between 1939 and 1960. Love to get away there, yeah. Yeah, and um, each of those watches—sorry, two of those watches—are limited to 882 pieces, and one watch that's a GMT version is limited to 221. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're not cheap. Uh, They are $3,000 US or about $4,000 Canadian for the two versions that are not GMT. The GMT one is about $3,600 $3,700 US or $4,800 Canadian. Why they're cool, I think, is because everything about those watches to me reminds. It uh, makes me think of Hemingway. And I'm a f- big fan of Hemingway as a writer, <laughs> not as a hunter necessarily or a fisherman.
0: Uh, and a drinker. And a cigar and, <laughs> uh, and
1: a, cig- and a cigar smoker, obviously. You know, yeah. like his yeah. his uh his novel For Whom the Bell Tolls, that I was that I wanted to read because I was also a fan of Metallica when I was a kid and I was like, I gotta read the novel that's named after sorry the i got to read the novel for wh- after which the song was named Metallica <laughs> yeah, right the song was yeah.
0: it wasn't like heavy, it was like
1: oh my god oh my the god. song is so good let, let god, me write a book, book about for the, it the belt <laughs> holes is such a great song let me write a book about it <laughs> 70 years before that <laughs> exactly <laughs> and it was that that novel was like that that novel honestly was like saying pride ryan on steroids like it traumatized before weeks <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, it was it was it was it, it's great, but it it shows it showcases horrors of war like nothing else.
0: I really like the old man in the sea. Yeah, I, I struggled with that fish. That was really cool.
1: Yeah, that was, the, that was the image cool.
0: he paints, he talks about the image where his like hands are ripped up because of the rope, and then he puts it in the salt water and the pain. But the way he describes it is very.
1: Colorful, and, and you really feel like the guy's this, like the pain the man is feeling. He's right? also his way so, of writing is so interesting, too. Right? It's all like short sentences like the weather was cloudy, it was raining. I went out of my house, I took the boat out of the shed. And like it's all like short sentences, style. it's interesting, yeah, yeah, very unique. And you know, I'm a big fan. Also, A Movable Feast is fantastic, yeah, uh, about the time he was in Paris uh, in the 20s, anyway. So, go okay, back to uh, the watch itself. This watch is like. Really, really inspired by Hemingway and what he did. In fact, the watch was introduced in Key West uh, together with John Hemingway, who is the grandson of Ernest Hemingway. It is 40 millimeters in diameter, and it kind of looks like a dress watch, but you know, with a very interesting, let's say, it kind of does have that Cuban flair and vintage inspiration. It's really unique. It's 40 millimeters in diameter, 11.75 thick, double curved sapphire crystal, 10 atmospheres. It has an interesting piece that kind of, you know, is all about the attention to detail in in this watch. The second hand tip is shaped like a marlin uh, fishtail. Ernest Hemingway was, let's say he was famous for fishing as well. So that's another odd to him. Hemingway's quote, in order to write about life first, you must live it. Is written on the interior sidewall of the case kind of like rolex watches you have the rolex written there i don't know if there's a specific name for that the reote the re the re uh, yeah. and the even the presentation like the watch box it's a wooden box that's shaped like a book but in it's leather bound you open it up it does like if you close it up it looks like just a book it's uh it has a, a cys 8121 movement so it's a 221-1 based automatic with 38 hours of power reserve and the GMT version features a, a CYS-8122, which is a broad C125 base. There's also an engraving and case back, and GMT has an open case back showing the movement. Silver hands... Uh, there are three versions like I said one, uh, two of them that are um, let's say the standard ones uh, non-GMT uh, have a cream dial and a brown dial and the GMT is blue limited to 288 pieces actually so the thing is
0: about quartz Sobrio people just wanted to, to guess, like, well, what is that brand what does it mean in Cuba so I've had a chance to read up on that history quite extensively as well and you can find videos on YouTube in both Spanish and English the same video walking through their history so think of it a little bit like Vempe or Tiffany's they were a jewelry dealer there so you can find watches believe it or not of other brands Rolexes that are Cuervo y Sobrinos and Omega's Cuervo y Sobrinos because it was the addition from that jeweler. And then they end up having their own watches as well. So think of it like Tiffany has like, you know, Tiffany Nautilus and stuff like that.
1: Rolex was doing that too, right? The Rolex before, uh, when they were still in England, before they moved to Switzerland, they were, yeah. they were a store that was kind of putting whatever names of the, 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 the customer, weren't Yeah, exactly. Booker and
0: Vempe, Tiffany. And Quirby uh, Savile was, was a big distributor. And
1: you know, like I think, I think it's a really nice. I think those are really nice pieces. They're very, uh, they're very, very unique looking. I, f- I think that they encompass yeah. that era and specifically Hemingway really well. Like all of that, all of yeah. those are the parts of the design, like even the leather strap that I haven't mentioned, the colors are just so close to. It makes me think of cigars, and like it really makes yeah. me think of Hemingway yeah. right, when I look at it. And, and a lot of the collection. Uh, and you think of Cuba, you think of cigars as well. A lot
0: of their collection, believe it or not, they deliver them in like cig- humidor boxes. The watches themselves, because that's you know part yep. of the deal, yep. right? Yep. As, as, as that, so it's a say design language that is you know quite quite nice. What do you uh, what good. do you think about the price? I think that's MSRP. I think you could probably find a, a dealer uh, give you maybe a little bit under. I think they're 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 quite stunning from everything I've seen. They're under the radar a little bit. Um, if you have an affinity for it. You really like it. You can get something very unique. It does have quite a bit of history behind it. It's a zombie brand. Let's not, you know, let's not, uh, you know, call, call a spade a spade. It is a zombie brand, but it's um, a very nicely executed watch. My release, I'm going to go on another spectrum, something very affordable. This might be, to a lot of people, an impulse buy. Boulevard, a brand that I've had a lot of, say, love and hate. I find that they release some really nice things, especially in their archival series. But I also find that they release a lot of things that are just, oof. I'm just like, this is, is totally not thought out of and whatnot. But anyway, they just came out with this new... Uh, reissue of a 1973 watch called the Dulova Jetstar. This watch, which is, I think, very cool, has a precisionist, uh, high-precision quartz movement, which beats at 262 hertz. So that's 16 beats a second. It's going to be incredibly smooth, the second hand, just uh, as it functions um, on, your, on your watch. And it is an exceptional plus or minus five seconds a month. Believe it or not, that's 30 times more accurate than a COSC rated mechanical movement. Mind you, this is a quartz. And what's great is that you don't have to deal with that ticking. You have a butter, smooth sweep. Think of a spring drive. I think that it, they have three versions of it. They have one that is a very striking gold dial with a like brown gradient kind of um, brown gradient chocolate kind of of like strap and then the Riot is like brown the indices are like brown with a strip of gold and it's like this gold dial that goes with a gold plated watch and a red seconds hand which is quite nice and uh, with a with date at the three it also has a limited edition version that is a silver uh, dial with a blue uh, Riot red indices red hands uh, and it comes on a metal bracelet and that uh, and that one along with a leather strap the one that i like the most is this other one that comes in i'll say a cherry red or red dial yeah i think that's that's part of the permanent collection while the limited edition i mentioned is about 7300 which isn't really limited but 7300 but it's it's limited nevertheless so they have this other red one which makes me think a little bit of the dial of that old uh, Rolex Oyster Perpetual that was a little bit more purple but it has that kind of like burgundy but dark branded, burgundy almost purple type dial which is my favorite. The case has this nice um, has nice angles to it that could give you that a little feel of the 70s when you had the integrated bracelet sports watch. It has a little bit of those angles that make it you know quite quite nice. Uh, the bracelet I've heard is garbage. It's too bad <laughs> but it is still a It looks v- nice though. It looks nice. They are very good at marketing. I'll tell you that. The watch comes in at Forty millimeters, eleven point six millimeters thick, so forty-five millimeter lug to lug. So it's a perfectly sized watch, guys. The watch is like under five hundred bucks, under five, under four. Uh, sorry, under six hundred bucks US. What do you want to hard to argue with that, you know? For something that's yeah. that's you know, so Bulova. I have to see that watch in person, but it's a nice watch, and it's 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 a cool yeah, movement. Watch. I really like that movement with the smooth. Uh, there's no ticking. It's just a smooth movement, easy to maintain. A lot of reputation. Nice reissue. The dial looks great. Bra- the bracelet looks like it's garbage, it seems. But otherwise, that's a really, really nice watch. I can only think of the Seiko SRPD17 that came out recently. That was a limited edition. But at a price point, that's such a nice watch. But this, good job on Bulova. They need to do more of this archival series because they're really nice. Uh, and, not, and not do so much of their other, like, I think sometimes, like, like yeah, just make it. Someone drew it up and make it next week. It's just, gosh, guys. Yeah.
1: I wonder if the uh, high-precision course is the same one as in the lunar it pilot. Is. It is. It is the same precision the, same at the 200,
0: way. but the one in the lunar pilot, it doesn't have a sweep for the small second. It does have a sweep when you engage the chronograph. So it's not, I'm sorry, right. it's not the same movement because one's a chronograph and one's not, and so it doesn't have that complication. But it still is the high-frequency 262...
1: Right. Um, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's, that's right, what I meant, yeah, sorry. Right. Uh, is, is it the same? Frequency. The quartz mechanism, let's say, is the same. That's very nice. Honestly, as soon as I saw the picture of the yellow one, well, oh, the yellow one, I, I, I just can't bring myself to gold. it gold color. It, it's not, there's nothing here that's it's actual gold, gold. color, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gold color, yeah. Gold-like. It, <laughs> it made me think of Hemingway. It may, it, it, it's like it like the the pictures that they have of somebody, some guy holding like a vintage vintage camera and wearing like a vest. Yeah, that's like it. It makes me think like Havana. <laughs> <laughs> it could be,
0: could be also a keyboard. But props addition. Kind of props to their marketing team because they put out a very good campaign. I, like I look at it, I'm like, these pictures are great. Pictures are really good.
1: It's very nice. Getting a lot of. Um, it's very nice, and I I do like the bracelet. Yeah, it.
0: getting a lot of love on uh, on YouTube. So a lot of videos out there. If you want to go see what people are are saying how they're they're holding like not holding but how they're you know how they feel how everything is uh, like the operation of the watch etc
1: it's looking good nice yeah no i i agree it looks pretty nice um the bracelet looks very interesting but like you said if it's if it's not amazing quality they, they still though they managed to take pictures that make it look very good you can just shove
0: it on a leather strap as well and it's probably going to be great yeah, yeah yeah for sure what's next for you
1: good sir my next one is uh, something interesting and the brand that we i think both really like uh, the brand is Baltic watches they are one of the let's say more uh, one of the more famous independent brands of the last 10 years uh, the brand itself is probably one of the bigger and most famous independents today however they haven't really been around for that long they've only been around since 2017 uh, we spoke about Baltic when we did an episode on, on microbrands, that was actually episode 22. Imagine, over 100 episodes ago. Yeah. We were still young and stupid. Now we're old. And stupid. We're also stupid. <laughs> yeah. but, then, but we were young before. So yeah. that's the only thing that's was different. The brand is a brainchild of Etienne Malek. First Baltic watches were HMS and Bi-Compax. And this is exactly what they've just updated. Initially, they, they were released in 2017. And actually, I think they had a Kickstarter campaign that was so popular, they got over 500k uh, euros on their initial offering. And uh, since then, obviously, Baltic was firing on all cylinders, relating, like, rem- rem- making all kinds of amazing watches. Uh, the HMS and bike compacts were released at the same time. In 2017, there was the, then there was a second generation in 2020. And now, just a few days ago, they've updated the line. They've released uh, uh, generation three. Or like an evolution, let's say, of those watches uh, they are pretty famous watches. i would just i would try to focus mostly on the differences between the previous gens and the current one. First of all, they moved away from the thirty eight millimeter case that was huge right to uh, to to even smaller one. now it's the thirty six point five the thirteen mm stick design wise they maintain the the forties nineteen forties inspiration, so it's like a nice into i would say um uh, what would word, you say? No, no, no. Tell no, me. Sorry. The suspense is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> who? Wait, who is, who who, is suspense? What? Why is he killing you? What are you do to him? <laughs> okay, wait. No, what's the... Jesus, the Art Deco. That's what I was going to say. Uh, design-wise, they maintain the 1940s aesthetic uh, with like an Art Deco inspiration, I think. With a step case and a flat bezel, polished and brushed uh, surfaces. They're using horizontal brushing on the case and using circular brushing on the lugs. They have drilled lugs, uh, but that's the same as the previous generation. Also, Hesolite glass. Also, just like the previous generation, right. what I think they, where I think they evolved, is seems that there's a quite a bit more attention to details, specifically when you look at the dials, as opposed to the previous versions. Now they have applied markings and numerals. They have a sandblasted midsection of the dial on both watches, which looks the texture is very nice. And then they have yeah. brushed the outer ring. They also have quite a bit more detail on the railroad track of uh, um, of each of those watches. And yeah. the the design of the hands has been has evolved. They became more, I'd say I'd say thicker, more pronounced. Overall, I think the design looks very awesome. It makes me, especially from the obviously from the promotional pictures, it looks like like a much higher class watch than the previous generation. It looks more expensive, if, if you know what I mean. HMS, which is the the time only version of the watch, which is kind of like a sector dial style that I really like. That one has an automatic movement. They have upgraded to Miyota 8315. Now it has 60 hours of power reserve. Imagine and, and think of this: 60 hours of power reserve with an automatic movement. That's uh, in a watch that's uh, 36.5 millimeters thick, and doesn't cost more than 530 dollars, which is crazy. Canadian. Mm-hmm. That's only 360 euros. And the second one, the bi is the Bi-compax chronograph. It has chronograph. Now they put a Seagull ST1901, which is a cool, historically significant movement from China that was used by the Chinese military, and it's used in the Seagull uh, chronographs. It's a manual one chronograph, and the price for that one is 530 euros, so 770 Canadian. It's crazy. Uh, you can also get both of yeah. those watches with an open case back, I think, for like $50 more. And the thing is, because they're so small, by the way, they're both, they're both 36.5. So you get a manually wound chronograph with a 36.5 millimeter size case. That's amazing. And it's it's gorgeous. And if you get it with an open case back, because the dial is so small, that open case back takes the whole backside. Like there's no bezel. It's It looks gorgeous. Heads off to Baltic once again. They've done something really cool. Baltic
0: is one of those, I think, that does vintage right. Their whole lineup seems to be kind of like Laurier fixated on reviving vintage styles. And they get clearly you can tell their inspiration cues. This is, of course, yeah, this was from their introduction line using that Seagull ST19. But if you want the full chronograph, you can go for their tri which is close to $2,000 for a Canadian, for a Swiss chronograph. Yeah, they're they're incredible of how they were able to explode uh, so much in terms of, of, of size. But uh, I love the the chronograph. Has they have the new one is just I find quite stunning. I thought that the other ones were very like dry. The older ones, not in a bad way, but this one the, the additional like the the way the indices are 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 created and the blue gilt on the uh, the new dial that has a little bit less going on, and then of course that salmon is just beautiful yeah um, i really enjoy that salmon i think that uh and yeah i really and i'm
1: loving excellent. that sector dial so the previous version was more of a like a white again it was more s- not i don't I don't really say simple because it was beautiful in its own way but this is like an evo- evolution right it's a natural evolution it's more it's more complex in terms of design and i really i'm really loving this like the sector dial both salmon and the steel colored ones they're gorgeous like they look s- yeah, it look great it
0: probably would sit a lot
1: like my um the way it
0: wear is probably a lot like my uh super compressor diver in terms of size the dimensions yeah excellent very good pick so that's a very nice one that's there I think that uh definitely um, a contender for those who want to actually uh, get a really nice
1: I would say because you could put this on a bracelet as well a beads of rice bracelet and one more thing just wear it as an everyday dress watch kind of thing and one more thing to add. Uh, like we, we've always discussed, like you know, for somebody who's just getting into the watch uh, enthusiasm and maybe wants to explore uh, independent brands but doesn't want to spend too too much money, this is the perfect brand to do this. For 500 yeah, bucks, really you get is like, because... Again, I'm talking Canadian dollars. right? for, for like 360 yeah. US dollars, you get an, an amazing watch. Just. Just beautiful on all yeah. sides. No, it's... and
0: Yeah. And you see other brands and they go, well, just get a Baltic, right? They're really great. Uh, you see, they're just a very nice... They're very thoughtful in all their designs and they're doing so, so well. So good on them. The other one that I think vintage done right is uh, Laurier. We had the chance to interview Lauren and Lorenzo. One Beautiful people. They came out just recently now with the new version, the third iteration of the, what's the Hydra. And this one, oh, is it so, so good. So the Hydra really is they call it the do it all diver it's a diver it also has a flyer gmt the flyer gmt what does that mean it moves the gmt hand independently so if you're traveling and you want to change the gmt hand from where you're at absolutely you just uh, you you can you can move that way instead of moving the the hour uh hand which is will be considered your home time as opposed to a caller gmt which is the inverse So this watch has done Miyota 9075 automatic movement with that independent hour hand that I said. It is a 200-meter diver. So it also has the 200 meters of diving. It has a unidirectional bezel. So there's a diver's bezel to this. Within it, the chapter ring is a GMT chapter ring. It has a dome Hesalite crystal. They continue to do Hesalite crystals so that it gives it that proper vintage feel and look as well. And what's great about this watch as well, The bezel is also Hesselite, the bezel insert I mean, not the bezel, sorry. It has a great, beautiful, vintage, flat-link bracelet. And this watch is just basically a do-it-all watch. Now, let's talk about the Dimensions real quick. Uh, The Dimensions is a 41mm case with a 12.2mm thick case and a 2.4mm dome case. They did a picture on Instagram. You can see where um, this watch, you can see how the you put it next to a Tudor Black Bay Pro, and it's very similar in its thickness. And you who were as afraid initially, you're like, ooh, it's thick, the Black Bay Pro. And then you had you mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned the podcast, but you didn't mention, you know, I tried it or not. I go, so was it as thick? You go, it it wore well. You said it's it wasn't as thick as as you would think. You said it still is very slab-like it's- because of the shape of the case, but the thickness didn't bug you as much uh, as you yeah, thought it would. Yeah, I
1: think exactly. the, the way I can describe it that I think could work to, to explain what I felt is it's very well proportioned. Okay. So yeah, despite exactly. it being thick, it, it just sat very well. Like it really felt like it was not, the the, the thickness of the case did not like overcompensate as, every other dimensions.
0: Yeah. So so it's good to give it a shot, you know, to, to consider that. So the the bracelet has a great vintage feels so it's 20 millimeters at the lugs and it tra- tapers down to 16 millimeters at the clasp and this is what they really want to go for they want this watch to be great they'll even include polywatch and a polishing cloth so you can just continue to polish off all those nasty scratches that you'll get on it what i really like about this watch is the loom that the way they thought about it the indices are loomed on the heselite bezel there is loom that is a different green tone of the entire GMT chapter ring alone. Then the hour, second, and minute hand and it is loomed blue along with all the indices as well. But the GMT hand tip is loomed green, just like the GMT chapter ring. So these different looms will give you different functions of the watch. So it's a green C1 uh, Luminova, while the other one is a bright blue BGW9 on the twenty on the uh, diving bezel. They really are very open about what their inspirations are. They want to. They talk about Jacques Cousteau wearing the Seamaster 1000 and Philippe Cousteau with the Sea Dweller uh, 1665. So, they're they're actually they just do a great great job. And this watch comes out at eight hundred and four dollars. I think it's just an excellent. They call it a GATA watch. Oh, and one thing also, great job on the date. This thing disappears. They cut the the six o'clock indice. The they put the date as the same color as the as the dial. It just blends right in. It is beautifully executed. This watch is really, really well done. And I could tell you say, hey, if you just want to do everything, watch there you go, diver, very dressy, vintage style, uh, GMT. This is a, a great, very thoughtful watch uh, by Laurier.
1: And uh, I'm a fan, and uh, I don't know, I might buy this, be great. Beautiful watch, and it's not even that yeah. thick, Like it's only 12-something millimeters, and my, my Speedmaster is thicker. And actually, the, the Baltics that I was just talking about, they're 13, I think, something. Yeah, It's the um, crystal
0: that makes it a little bit thicker yeah. on this one, they put two millimeters of thick crystal, but if you're looking at the steel on your hand, it's not as thick.
1: Yeah, and, and by the way, speaking of uh, the crystal, right, it, that's the thing about the Black Bay uh, Pro, is that Pro, sorry?
0: Yeah, Black Bay Pro, that's right.
1: Yeah, that's the one. It's domed, so... It kind of curves down towards the edges of the case, so that doesn't it makes it feel a lot thinner than it actually is, more compact, more wearable. Uh, I was gonna, you know, do a shout out to uh, the interview that we had with uh, Laurier. That was episode 121. It was a really good interview with a really nice people to chat with. And unfortunately, I wasn't there, but I was listening to it. So uh, they were really, they really, really you were, uh, pleasant people to, were you? to listen to. Cool. So let's uh, move on.
0: Uh, so, watch spotting. There was a few events, some watches that were spotted. Why don't you walk us through what you saw, Dimitri, and what you thought of
1: it? I, like, the, when I was researching for the watches, for the watch spotting, I think everybody's talking about. The Barbenheimer—that's that—that uh, that right here on the internet. Uh, you know the the two movies that, are, that came out at the same time, Barbie and Oppenheimer. If you know, if you couldn't figure out what, from the word that I just said, mm. and uh, there's been quite a few watches and quite a few actors in the movie are in those and those movies are, um, you know, watch collectors, as well as just watches were prominent uh, in the movies themselves. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about is the movie Oppenheimer and watches that were worn by. Killian Murphy, so he's one. I haven't seen any of the movies yet. I really want to watch them though. So as we know, Christopher Nolan, who directed Oppenheimer, has uh, been featuring Hamilton watches throughout uh, his previous movies. Specifically, Interstellar was the one that had uh, Hamilton Murph that became super popular. That watch was uh, the watch was made specifically for the movie, and then later became made uh, made in production by Hamilton, and you know, like the, the beautiful design and beautiful watch. Now they have a second iteration of the Murph. Yeah, it was a it was a prop. And there yeah. was so much demand, they built a watch. Exactly. And then Tenet, uh, they also made a watch specifically for that movie. And uh, I think that watch is also available on Hamilton, if you, if you want to purchase it. Uh, I think it was like, a, I don't even know if it's called something else. Maybe it's just Tenet edition. Well, it was... Not a super pleasant looking watch, but it's a
0: watch. It actually existed beforehand, that watch. So that was worn by Matt Damon in The Martian. But then what they did was that they, they added like a digital... Um, version of that. I think it's called like the sub Arctic. It's like this massive uh, utilitarian uh, Hamilton watch that uh, was then modified, I think, for Tenet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Then Oppenheimer. But the watches in Oppenheimer were not made specifically for Oppenheimer. They actually used Hamilton's historical archives and used watches that are true to that time period. And I think, again, I haven't seen the movie yet, but the movie spans uh, a few decades. So Cillian Murphy, who, who plays Oppenheimer in the movie, was wearing three separate Hamilton watches that were true to the specific decade that they were showing in the movies. Just to summarize a little bit about the, the movie itself, it's, it was actually, I didn't, I didn't know this, it was shown entirely in IMAX format and they have not used CGI. And I'm very interested to see how are they going to show the nuclear explosion if there's no CGI. I want to see anyway. the sex scene. <laughs> oh my God, yes. No CGI, Yeah. <laughs> I know where my bike goes <laughs> <like> sex scene immediately <laughs> Oppenheimer is known for their sex scenes of course there's no, also there's apparently
0: a very vivid sex scene in that movie oh really him and,
1: yeah yeah and Matt Damon because Matt no, Damon disappointed you yeah, I was oh, going to no, say the Robert Downey
0: Jr but it's with that uh, Florence uh, Huff Pew. Or Puff? or whatever Pew, Pew. Pugh yeah, sorry <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, so Matt Damon also is in the movie, Emily Blunt. They're both both wearing vintage uh, Hamiltons. But I'm going to focus on the three watches that uh, Kelly Murphy is wearing. They are Cushion B, which dates back to like early 30s. Then Endicott, uh, which is later in the 30s. And then finally Lexington, which was in the early 1940s. Actually, Hamilton's first watches were called Geometrics. That name was referring to specific case shapes that they had. So like they had square, rectangular, and so on. The, the first one, actually the first race watch, was the cushion, Hamilton cushion. Uh, the watch I was wearing was, uh, uh, the Kelly Murphy was wearing in the movie is Cushion B, so it's like a second generation of that specific watch. Uh, it was released in 1931, and pretty much all, all of those watches were featuring the uh, back in the day the Hamilton 987 movement with 17 jewels. And uh, Cushion B watches were with 14-carat gold-filled cases. So it's not really full gold, but it's gold-filled. Mm-hmm. they tiny little watches. the dress watches, something like 30... They're 34-millimeter leg-to-leg, so 27-millimeter wide. Very, very small watches. But I guess, let's say, true to be-dress watches of that specific era. Yep. right? Because even like... A, I, know, I don't know much about vintage watches in general, but the Polar router is like 34 millimeters. That's right. The second watch that he was wearing was the Hamilton Anticott, and it features... A round case that was 28.6 millimeters with small seconds. And it has, like, they're all very similar designs, but they also all scream 1940, if you know what I mean. It's hard to, like, I I, I think you will know exactly what I mean when you see them, if you haven't seen them yet. I have, I have, yeah. The And finally, the Lexington, that was the last watch that was featured in the movie. And I think that one, to me, has the most interesting story of all of them, because the watch was not a military watch. And it came out right around the time when uh, uh, around Pearl Harbor, and that was I think 19 what 1941 I think right. After which the U.S. declared war on Japan and Germany. Hamilton regeared uh, Lexingtons and started to try to push them for the military. Uh, however, military did not really use them officially; did not officially supply them to their soldiers. Unfortunately, this watch didn't let's say last for too long because. Uh, in 1942, Hamilton stopped making consumer watches and focused entirely on supplying the military with other types of watches. And I think they took the Lexington model, made it in steel, and started to supply the Allied forces and actually even Russia with those watches during the war. And I thought it was pretty cool. But again, like those, are, those watches are really awesome. Historically, they're pretty, but they're so small that I don't think a lot of people could wear them today. Mm, very good.
0: So... I'm a big fan mostly of Hamilton, especially when they dip into their archives, make some really nice things. I'm going to the other side of it. You went with Oppenheimer. I'm going with the much more serious Barbie. So in that movie, Ryan Gosling in Gosling. Oh yeah. As enchanting as he is, Enchants Us All wearing a 1972 uh Hoyer Carrera Ferrari reference one one five eight um CHN. I'll explain what the CHN indicates. That means champagne dial and black subdials. The N is noir, so Champagne Noir. This watch comes in, it was a beautiful caliber 12 movement, automatic chronograph, uh in a full 18 karat gold. So this watch uh is known as being Jack Hoyers because this is before Tag uh Hoyer, Tag or Technita was. Was bought that bought Hoyer itself this was uh, Jack Hoyer's favorite model and they were given to Ferrari Formula One drivers during Hoyer and Ferrari's partnership in 1971 to 1978 if you guys followed up 1969 was the arrival of the fir- the first automatic chronograph battled by Hoyer Breitling and I think it's Hamilton on the other side Seiko and then the other side Zenith um, so Hoyer introduced the Carrera in 1964 uh, which was the most iconic chronograph, one of the most iconic chronographs from Hoyer out there. Uh, this one, what's great about this movement, the caliber 12, inside that solid 18-karat gold case, you're looking at a micro rotor, just absolutely beautifully done. This watch uh, is 38 millimeters thick, 14, uh, 38 millimeters in diameter, 14 millimeters thick, obviously with a plexiglass crystal. 20 millimeter lug width. It is a beautiful gold watch. It is, uh has a, a wonderful warm hue. Of course, you cannot find it anymore. These watches go for approximately twenty five dollars to $30,000, uh, considering that they are precious metal. Um, of course, I'm a big fan of the 60s Hoyer Carreras in general, but this one is just a remarkable watch. Seen in the Barbie movie, worn by Uh, Gosling himself now what could you get I was thinking what kind of alternative can you get and I mean I found an alternative that I think is different but a lot of fun as well if you want something there's a brand out there called brew so John Ferrer who's been a kind of obsessed with uh, coffee has been making uh, a few uh, very interesting chronographs all related to timing a coffee so recently he came out with a the metric chronograph, so it's an integrated bracelet uh, chronograph, mecha quartz, and the one that they just recently came out with is all gold PVD bracelet included. One of the best bracelets, I say, at this price point. I've tried it on, incredibly comfortable, incredibly well-executed chronograph, a lot of fun. If you're interested, the you can find this brew uh, metric. They have a full gold one. They also have a full black PVD one, which makes me think of the Porsche or the Orfina Uh, chronograph the top gun but this brew metric is just very subtle if you want an an entirely gold uh, watch that is powered by a v60 vk60 mega quartz caliber so it's a mechanical chronograph a quartz chronograph once you you deploy the chronograph very similar in size this one comes in a 36 millimeters wide 41.5 millimeters lug to lug 10.75 and 10.75 millimeter stick and what's really great about it, the watch can be had for 475 US dollars. So you're probably going to save at least uh, uh, 24,000 dollars and change if you would like something very similar. But that was a really cool watch from Barbie. I really wish that Tag would would consider coming out with a full gold watch again. But it'd probably be in the same range of the 20,000 dollar range for full gold uh, Tag Heuer chronograph. Probably same price as that Tudor. 18 karat gold, black bay. So yeah, that was my uh, watch spotting that I noticed. And I didn't watch the Barbie movie, but I did spot that chronograph in the news.
1: Not yet, not yet. Not yet. But I, I'm definitely gonna watch all of those movies. They, they all, they both yeah. look amazing. And the other one has yeah. Godling in it, so it's very dreamy. You have to. Is yes, is dreamy. I, I, I forgot to mention. So uh, looking at the Hamiltons that I was just talking about, also like Art Deco style. Uh, we kind of chatted a little yeah. bit before as the alternative to this watch that obviously is very difficult to get because not only they are archival watches, they are, you know, they could, it's very hard to find anything because those watches are at least 70 years old. Uh, something similar, if you want Art Deco, you can always go for independence, right? You have uh, you have the Lori Zephyr, like you mentioned, and the Hamilton themselves, they have the American classics, they have the Bolton. That is a similar style. I think the Oris, uh, can remember rectangular. Could, you know could yep. probably work. If you want to spend more money, you can go for a GLC, Reverso.
0: No, it's true. Absolutely, you can get into those, yeah. yeah. But Hamilton has that nice... Cla- they, you, they have versions now. They're American classic, the Intramatics, the Intramatic Chronographs. They have a lot of those, like... Um, how can I say they tap into their old designs? Yeah, very good. So what's
1: your next watch spotting that you did? So, speaking of uh, Barbie... Yeah. My next two actually are both from Barbie. And first one is uh, was spotted on the wrist of Greta Gerwig, who is a director and writer of Barbie. She was wearing the Movaro Triple Calendar that watches from like the 1940s or 50s. The vintage Movado Triple Calendar it f- features cutouts for the month, the day of the week, in the center of the dial as well with a date pointer along the periphery controlled by buttons on the case. They uh, produce those watches in different dial configurations. And the Gerwig's watch, I think it's gold, so it's a precious metal variety with yellow gold and a brown leather strap. What's, I think, interesting about this is that a lot of times, for example, like Ryan Gosling is now an ambassador for uh, TAG, right? So he occasionally wears, again, don't take away from him, he's an amazingly well-known watch collector and he has a lot of really awesome vintage watches. But Greta Gerwig's Movado is, I think, her actual piece that she also wore as they were filming the movie. The watch itself has has a, a warm brown outer track transitioning to a light earthy tan in the middle. Uh, Arabic numerals, small seconds. It's designed for both men and women, and I think there are two different versions. I think hers was the thirty-three millimeter version, but uh, the larger one is thirty-six. It seems that it's her personal style. Um, about Movado itself, the watch brand was founded in Chaudet Fong in 1881. A triple Movado triple calendar actually was named Calendograph, but as we as for some reason the word uh, triple calendar stuck, and, and that's how it's known. Uh, initially introduced in 1938. It was around until 1954 and powered by a caliber 475, which was a, deliver, uh, a derivative of Movado 470. The brand gained quite a big, let's say, popularity in the early 20th century for its innovative and artistic designs. They uh, had a lot of interesting pieces. They, in 1912, they introduced the, the museum watch, which was designed by American artist Nathan uh, George Harwit, featuring a simple black dial with a single gold dot at 12 o'clock symbolizing sun at high noon. Throughout the, the 20th century, they, con- uh, they continued to produce high-quality distinctive timepieces. But let's say later on, specifically in 1980, they became part of the North American Watch Corp and lan- l- later changed its name to a Movado Mar- Group. They kind of fell off a little bit from the face of the earth, uh, I think, in the in the 2000s because the designs went to very minimalist. I think they've took advantage of some of the older, let's say, artistic choices where you basically have nothing on the dial and just a little dot at 12 o'clock. They've used a lot of that on their on many of their watches. Not necessarily super well-known today, but we're a, a massive powerhouse of a brand, I think, in the, in, the middle of the, in the middle of the 20th century. I'm
0: a big fan of vintage Movado. A lot of people might discount Movado for what it stands
1: for now versus what it once
0: did. There is a huge a base to look up vintage Movados and just how well executed they are. A lot of people will be attracted more to the brand name Vintage Omegas. Omega wasn't the powerhouse it was then that it is now. So just to keep that in mind when you're shopping for them.
1: And Movado, I forgot to mention, stands for always in motion in Esperanto, which is uh, coincidentally also is a dead language. Yeah. (laughs) Like the designs of Movado from the 1950s. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to go over to Wimbledon and even the Grand Prix. Brad Pitt at the Great Brit, the F1 in Great Britain, Silverstone, Silverstone. We're, so what are you looking exactly. for? Exactly, oh, Silverstone, the Silverstone Circuit, right? So Brad Pitt was there, um, mm, of course, also dreamy, yeah, and of course Max Verstappen won. Uh, but what was he wearing? He was wearing a Vacheron Constantin two two two. He was then caught later at Wimbledon also wearing the Vacheron Constantin two two two. But the Vacheron Constantin two 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 came out a couple of years ago. Just a it came out at Watches and Wonders, I believe, in 2020, 2023, uh, 2022. Sorry, last year. Uh, it came out with the Vacheron Constantin Historic 222. It is a beautiful uh, 1977 or recreation of the 1977 uh, Vacheron Constantin. A lot of folks, obviously, in the 70s. The Piguet Royal Oak in 72 and the Nautilus in 76. You would believe it was designed by Gerald Genta, but the original Vacheron Constantin was designed by Jorg Heisick. You know, so um, which means Gerald
1: Genta in German.
0: Yeah, but yeah, they were all designed by George Heisick. Not as many believe that it was Gerald Genta, the designer of, of the Royal Oak and the Nautilus. So the watch very beautiful, thirty-seven millimeters case, seven point two millimeters thick, entirely made of gold. Uh, it had this inlaid Maltese cross emblem at the five o'clock. Uh, it is just a, a, a just uh, just quite a a stunning watch. Obviously, unobtainable to be able to to buy this this specific watch. This comes in. Um, it has a forty-hour power reserve, uh, four beats movement an upgrade from the original watch. This has a new 18-karat gold yellow rotor developed specifically for this watch, bearing an engraved replica of the original 222 logo surrounded by the fluted ring inspired by the bezel. Finishing is just top-notch. You know, the bridges, the gear trains, everything chamfered, embellished with Côte de Genève uh, and beautiful pearlage. Um, This watch is just, it's just a, such a stunning watch. You get a 22-karat gold rotor. It carries the prestigious Hallmark Geneva, which is a I guess, a high horology decoration. So it's like a badge of honor. And it's not a Royal Oak or a Nautilus. So this watch was um, is not limited edition, but it's exclusive to certain branded boutiques. So you can't just walk in and buy one. This watch is a little under $100,000. It feeds into that integrated bracelet craze in a very different way. It's tastefully done for a full gold watch. Now, if you wanted something similar an affordable alternative, I would jump immediately and just share that you can get yourself a full gold tone as well. Tissot PRX, the 35 millimeters. You can get that in quartz. I think you can get a 40 millimeter in automatic with the Powermatic 80 for under $500. You know, watch that comes in as well. 35 millimeters, of diameter and a case of 9.8, so very close to that of the Vacheron Constantin. 39 millimeters lug to lug, sapphire crystal, 100 meters of water resistance with that integrated bracelet with an interchangeable quick release bracelet. So you can put it on if you shop at the lugs or even at the TISO site, you can put it on leather straps or even rubber straps. It has a quartz ETA F06115, so three joule battery life of five years, and it'll let you know when the battery's about to die, it pauses and then ticks. Uh, in four second increments when the battery is ready to be replaced definitely a great contender for it at a fraction of the price from a brand that has been around forever um i've seen it if you like gold you can get it but i'm a big fan of the 35 millimeter prx maybe not in gold but the regular steel one the mother of pearl is one that i really like and it's a sits really really well even if it might be on the smaller side folks should go try it on and don't knock it till you try it because it's uh Really well done. So that's the other one that I saw from uh, from Brad Pitt, but obviously unobtainable for most or as mere mortals. But there's definitely a nice offering there from the Tissot PRX 35mm. That was my other watch bot.
1: It's a very cool watch, and I feel like it's one of those watches like a pure enthusiast pick. Yeah. It's not... Even though it comes from a huge brand, like you know one of the big three, uh, one of the comedians, Andrew Schultz, is I think a huge watch enthusiast and he was wearing a, a steel version of uh, oh, 2 man. 2 And like I saw it on a podcast somewhere on YouTube or something. Which, you know, you could probably buy like a vintage one for not too too much, but still, they're, they're still very expensive comparing to, you know, the current versions. Exactly. Very good. What's your last, do you have a last pick here? I think we're getting in the right an hour. Yes. Go for your pick, last yeah. pick. I have another one and uh, this is also an actor from Barbie who played one of the Ken's and he's a fellow Canadian. His name is Simu Leo. He's became quite well-known after starring in uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Never seen it. He's been in, in me neither, but, you know, it's a Marvel yeah. uh, movie. It uh, was very popular, I think, uh, received very good reviews. He's a super nice guy, it seems. He's uh, from Toronto and he's become, like, he's, you know, he's been increasing in popularity over the last few years and uh, he seems like a good representat- representative of uh, this country, uh, you know, along, along the two sexy Ryans. Jesus, and <laughs> he's Who's the other uh, sexy Ryan? I'm just to give Gosling. Who's the other one? Go- Ryan R- Reynolds.
0: Oh, what? <laughs> Only know Dennis Reynolds.
1: <laughs> How could you? Yes, yeah, so
0: I, I betrayed. Uh, Carl would be really pissed right now because he really. loves Oh yeah, it.
1: yeah. Because you know he has, Yeah, he's obsessed with him. So. He is also quite a bit of a watch collector. It seems he's, uh, you know, he's been spotted wearing the I- IWC Portugieser, uh, Aquaterra, IWC Pilot. Uh, at some point, even Jacob and Co. Astronomia Zodiac, and also uh, Vacheron Constantin overseas, and so on. He recently did a clip with Uncle Roger, who is a Malaysian comedian mm-hmm. from England, who does like kind of like, he makes fun of cooking, of, of chefs making Hi, food. He yeah. also make, made fun of, yeah, exactly. He made fun of Gordon Ramsay and I think he even videotaped like a, a sketch with him together. He did one with Simulio and I think, I, I didn't watch it, but I saw that, I saw at the beginning of the introduction, uh, Simulio kind of raised his arm and then you could see he was wearing a blue Royal Oak uh, chronograph on his wrist. Mm. And I was like, that's a beautiful looking watch. I never really looked too much into the AP because again, they're kind of unobtainable. Well, again, one of the big three mm. Along with Patek and V.C., they're very expensive. They are really pretty, and we never really, I think, even did like an episode about uh, A.P. specifically. Maybe even specific specific lines. So I thought it was okay. Yeah, well, it's interesting to see to kind of research a little bit about this watch. So kind of going just uh, going back in history, just about the uh, Marpegay itself. It was founded eighteen in 1875 in Le Brass in Le Brassou in Switzerland by Jules Audemars and Edward Auguste Piguet. The company founders they both met in their early 20s aimed to create high-quality and innovative timepieces. By 1882, they created their first mini-repeating wristwatch, establishing the reputation for technical excellence. They continued to innovate and introducing their first skeleton watch in 1934. In 1972, they introduced the iconic Royal Oak that was designed by none other than Gerald Genta, which became... One of the first luxury sports watches in the industry, by the way, the uh, Royal Oak was the first integrated bracelet watch by Gerald Genta in 1972, but he continued mm-hmm. making the other different integrated bracelet watches in the 70s. The Royal Oak's success saved Audemars Piguet from potential bankruptcy and became like an instrumental model for the brand. Finally, in 1992, they released Audemars Piguet uh, Royal Oak Offshore, a larger and more robust version of the Royal Oak solidifying its position in the luxury sports watch market. An interesting fact, they're one of those few brands that have remained family-owned since its inception. Generations of Audemars Piguet families have been involved in the management and the leadership of this brand so far. And finally, the watch that I spotted on Sima Leo's wrist is the uh, Royal Oak Choreograph that was initially introduced in 1997 and measured only 39 millimeters in diameter. Today, it's 41. It was equipped with one of the thinnest chronograph movements ever, only 11 millimeters thick. The movement is called AP caliber 2385, based on Pegay caliber 1185. It was also used in the competing Vacheron Constantin overseas. This movement was the initial movement that was used in the Royal Oak chronographs, but it also is the movement that they use still to this day in the Royal Oak chronographs. Mm. It was initially introduced by Frederic Piguet in 1988. But uh, later on, Frédéric that Frédéric Peguet obviously is not a person, that's the person who started, that's the name of the company that was making movements. Uh, That company was purchased by the Swatch Group in 1992. In 2010, it was renamed to Manufacture Blancpain. So kind of right now, that movement is made by Manufacture Blancpain, but Royal Locke is still using those movements. The current version or the version that uh, Simon Leo was wearing is the 41 millimeter stainless steel case, 11 millimeters thick, and I think it's amazing for a chronograph. It's a uh, uh, screw-locked crown, glare-proofed sapphire crystal, blue dial with grand tapisserie pattern, rhodium tone counters, white gold-applied hour markers, and royal oak hands with luminescent coating. I think that the little subdials are also white gold. The Calibre 2385 is a self-winding movement with a chronograph, so hours, minutes, small seconds, date, approximately 40 hours of power reserve. It has an um, AP-integrated bracelet with a folding buckle, water resistance to 50 meters, Initially introduced in 2017, this watch today costs about 60k Canadian on the market, uh, but retails for about 45. And I think it's a beautiful watch. Honestly, if you are into into integrated uh, bracelet watches, but in general, like when you think AP, you always think Royal Oak first, right? Maybe not necessarily the current graph, but the original one. It's the watch that's been copied by many different brands, and it's a it's a timeless design that will never get old. Along with you know other Gerald Genta versions and the likes of. Like the Submariners, the Speedmasters, it's just the one that will just stay the same forever. I think, obviously, it's in the realm of unobtainable for most people. And if you want something similar, I think a great idea is like, again, going back to TiSO going for the PRX chronograph. Uh, they're very similar shape, they also integrated bracelet, very nice watches. And, goddammit, I want a AP.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, who doesn't? You and me both, man, you and me both. I'm going to go off into something a little bit different. And the last one, Idris Elba was also caught at Wimbledon. And he was wearing, now that he is the new Gucci Gucci uh, spokesperson or ambassador to Gucci. Idris Elba uh, wore a a Gucci, I think it's called, because I'm looking at the, the... the movement here, but it's the 25H. So the 25H watch from Gucci was introduced a couple of years ago, and it was really a not a welcome, but it was um, they're about, like they're back onto the market. Like Gucci is now entering, I call it serious watchmaking, much like what we saw in Chanel, much what we're seeing in Louis Vuitton when they bought Fabrique du Temps, back into what we're seeing with um, what are the other ones? Hermès, Gucci 25, uh, the Gucci 25 collection also came out with. Higher horology. I mean, not only did they come out with two regular automatic movements into an integrated sports watch, they also came out with two different Tourbillon movements as well within uh, the, the the 25H collection. So, just a a stunning, I would say, jump into uh, high level watchmaking. So, they they came out with their first proprietary movement, and remember that at this time when it came out. It's the Caring Group, so Caring owns Gucci, but they also, at the time, owned Ulysse Nardin, Geral Perejo. Before they sold it to the managing groups of those two watch brands, and now they they've they've gone off onto yourself. So Idris Elba is caught wearing the the 25H. This watch is another, I guess, it jumped onto the integrated bracelet uh, sports wa- wagon. Uh, I don't call it sports watch, but definitely integrated bracelet steel uh, watch. Um, it is not. An ugly, I really do think it is a well executed watch. Gucci, to me, has always been known as a very flashy uh, type of uh, fashion uh, brand or fashion manufacturer because they're not really into watches, but they really, uh, I think, did a good job with this specific uh, integrated bracelet watch so the creative director alessandro michelle gave the collection its name because 25 is his lucky number so this is a cushion shaped case 40 millimeters in diameter but and only 7.2 millimeters thick Uh, it has um, a very slim profile Uh, they have the tourbillon obviously uh, the two that i mentioned but they also came in with their proprietary caliber micro rotor 24 joules 60 hour of power reserve Very beautiful watch with exposed case back. The standard automatic model starts at about 8,200 euros, so about 10,000 bucks. And they have a diamond set bezel that'll put you back 10,500 euros. And the Tourbillon costs 120 grand. And they have a platinum model as well for 170,000. Beautiful watches. But also, you know, so. You get it to the Hermès, what they've been able to deliver, Bulgari and what they're able to deliver. Ralph Lauren is stepping up as well. We saw Louis Vuitton stepping up. Mont Blanc as well is not a watch brand. They're pen makers and they were also able to jump into this space. So Gucci is, um, they need to be thought of now as saying, okay, are they serious watchmakers? Definitely not something I would ever want to own because I do think that they have a lot of shit out there in terms, but it makes me think a little bit of the Piaget Polo uh, as another type of kind of integrated bracelet watch. But if you want something, I find that I saw recently, I'm like, you know, this could be something that that jumps out at you and saying, look, maybe I want an integrated bracelet watch, but I don't want to pay that. I just saw, Yema is doing some really nice things and we discount, we have a lot of, we've taken issue with them on the podcast solely because I think of what we've read online, specifically around one, their quality control and their aftermarket service, that we get a lot of feedback where it's like they're not helpful, They're they're, they're really haven't been great with their quality control and addressing their client, customer service and their customer needs. And then the other one that we also don't tend to like uh, on the podcast that we saw is that they often like go on sale and then they have big sales for all of their watches. It kind of goes, well, why am I going to buy the watch at this price? I'll just wait for it to go on sale, that sort of thing. Well, Yema, they have a, a watch called the Urban Traveler and, in, and that's the name of the series of that specific watch, the Urban Traveler series. And it is a... um an integrated bracelet with a textured dial. Uh, they're a brand that came out of France, very Genta-esque type of watches. Uh, so, y- you know, this came out, it is a 39 millimeter wide case with an 11 point millimeters thick, uh, very affordable, time only with a multitude of colors. You have a blue one, you have a, like a salmon dial and you have a white one. And with the textured dials are they're just, they're, they're quite, um, you know, good looking watches. The watches come in at a very affordable $890 US dollars. So if you want a daily sportswear watch, this is something that you could definitely uh, get into. There's always, always, always the challenge of what does it mean to have an in-house movement? They claim that this watch is is, is run with a, how can I say, their in-house movement. But how in-house is it? I've read a lot of articles where... It's not just an ETA that they modify. It's actually based on the architecture of the ETA, but they built it themselves. But then obviously, they probably got all their parts from Asia, and then they just build it up, and then they call it a French in-house movement. But the Swiss also have been claimed to do the same. So anyway, I think it's interesting that, that you could get an integrated bracelet watch, French zombie brand, very good looking. I don't know about the QC issues or their customer service, but uh, definitely a good alternative at affordable price. For that Gucci, but Gucci needs to be taken seriously because I think that watch has a lot of character, and Idris Elba is definitely the man to be wearing it for them. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I agree. And as you were talking about them, I kind of looked at their catalog, and one thing I would say is, if they wanted, if they also wanted to be considered as a more of a serious watch brand, or more more considered more as a contender yeah. and like as a watchmaker, not yeah. just you know a fashion store, they need to flush. Like 90% of exactly. what they have right now. Because they have a lot of stuff that looks like Alibaba specials or Alibaba, yeah, AliExpress specials that are very expensive. And apart from the 25H, there's a lot of stuff that's just yeah. horrible looking.
0: No, you're absolutely right.
1: But yeah, but, but, you know, hats off to them. I think this one is pretty. The uh, Hermes is doing something similar, you know, like we were talking about before. Uh, Cartier at some point was only considered to For, be... Jewelry a, brand yeah a jewel and then they wanted and they wanted to become a known for well. Louis Vuitton as well, so.
0: Ralph Lauren but they're stepping up like Louis Vuitton just Jean Arnaud um the son of Bernard Arnaud who owns of all of LVMH took over the watch division bought a high horology watch manufacturer and is making some legit timepieces so as, even if we're like oh eh, the brand whatever but it's, like, it's legit watchmaking right those those movements are in, are yeah, legit for sure. right so Definitely something to look at.
1: And as soon as they start holding value, you know they're considered. They'll be considered Hell yeah. as watch. Even Ralph right Lauren. You
0: saw that other one that came out is really nice. The new one, uh, anyways. Big yeah. big fan. So that was my last uh, watch spotting of the week. I don't know if uh, if anyone out there, if you guys spotted some other watches that were there worth talking about, some alternatives to it, anything that uh, you can consider. Uh, definitely let us know. And uh, we hope that you guys go out do some watch spotting this week. And we will see you on the next episode. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you like our podcast, please make sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at Big Watch and through email at info at BigBlackClock.watch. Happy hunting, and we will see you on the next episode.